You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we are going to talk about substitutions, when to make a substitution, how to make a substitution, what are substitution strategies that you can implement on your team to maximize your ability to make subs. Well, we're going to answer all these questions on today's episode, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 78 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? We are in December, the holiday season. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love the holiday season. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, everyone's in like a great mood. I don't know. Even if you're like over here, you know, where I am in Canada, it's, it's getting cold now. You know, we're getting temperatures below zero Celsius, that is. And, you know, it's when we kind of hit cold, it, it gets kind of, I don't want to say depressing, but, you know, everyone's mood is, is, is more down than up normally. But with the holiday season around and you got, you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or not or just any type of holiday, uh, it is is great, you know, there's always, it's just, their mo- the Christmas movies are on TV, which I absolutely love, I'm a sucker for Christmas movies, uh, even if they're, then there's, there's so many of them that are kind of corny, and my wife is like, you know, it's always the same story every single time, I don't know, I'm a sucker for them, I, I love watching Christmas movies, and, and just, and having that time, and then, you know, we have we have young kids now, so my wife decorated the house a lot more than she normally would, and my daughter, who's three, really enjoys it and, and is all excited about it. So it's it's cool, you know, as a as a parent now, and you know, as a father, a husband, it's is different. It's a different vibe for for Christmas now than than it has been in the past. It's not. I'm more so not excited about receiving gifts but more so for giving gifts i mean i in theory i should have always been like that but you know how as a kid growing up you get excited for gifts. anyways that I, I digress but yeah it's a holiday season i hope everyone's doing well I hope everyone's staying safe i know um we got this what is it called the Om- omicron omicron i can't even say it the the new variant out hopefully that is uh you know that's not causing too much stress on people and we got volleyball I know everyone's seasons are running, women's seasons, and in in my for my friends in the U.S. are really down. Uh, we're, we're like, what am I saying? Down. They're really um, in the midst of it. On the men's side, we're just getting started. We're I'm in preseason right now. We just had a fantastic preseason game uh, yesterday against uh, one of the top teams in in our um, in our league, and we did quite well. Um, we beat them in three. But it's preseason. Uh, I mean, at the same time, it's it doesn't count. But it was still a good a good W for our guys. Our guys are still, you know, we're a very inexperienced team this year, as I mentioned on the pod, and we're slowly coming together. Uh, we're starting to hit a little bit of a stride. Our what we've been really focusing on in practice is starting to, you know, really show on the court. And we got a we got a good group of guys this year, so I'm excited to see what we can do. Um, but that for sure, the team that we played uh, on the weekend will definitely be back stronger, and they're very well coached. So uh, it's going to be a nice battle between us uh, this year in the season. So today's episode, as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about substitutions substitutions now it's funny because uh 
the conversation has come up quite a bit of times, you know, with not only my coaching staff, but other coaches around the league and stuff like that. And and there has never been actual training on substitutions. Uh, if you go look it up, I, I actually tried to look it up because I have my own strategies and th- things that we do, but I tried to look it up about other strategies that other coaches are doing when it comes to subs, and you don't really find much articles or much information about it, uh, which is interesting because substitutions, guess what? It is actually a strategy. There are things that we can be aware of to help maximize our ability to sub and as well as put a, put ourselves in a good position to sub effectively and win games and win sets and win points and, and all that stuff. So... I want to start off by talking about some some of the rules regarding substitution because they differ around the world. Now, a universal rule like FIVB Olympic style rule when it comes to substitutions are is normally you're allowed a maximum of six substitutions in which a player can only go in for one player and then back out for that same player. And you can only do that once. So let's say, for example, I have player A who's on the bench and player B who's in the court. If I was to make a sub, player A comes in for player B. That's one sub. And if I was to sub them back again, player B comes back in for player A, then they can't sub again. That pair of players are not allowed to go back in and back out, even though we may be on underneath like the substitution limit of six. So it's called limited substitutions. That's how majority of the world plays, where you're only allowed to go in once, back out once, and that's it. And a team total of substitutions is six. Now, I actually don't like this. I may be... I may be on the um, on the unpopular end because most of the coaches, well, here in Canada, actually like that because then it's it, you get to be more strategic and you have to really value, you know, your subs. Personally, I come from a more of a basketball background and I really like the way the U.S. runs it, where they have an unlimited amount of subs, um, but a limit, but a team limit. So, for example. You know, if uh, I think majority of the leagues in the U.S., NCAA, and so forth, you're allowed a maximum of 12 substitutions per set, and it's unlimited, meaning players can go in and out for each other unlimited amount of times as long as you don't exceed the 12 substitutions. But you still have to go in for the same player that you brought out. So you can't swap and sw- you know you can't swap players here and there. Now, there are leagues in the U.S. that I know of that you're allowed to go do a three-way sub, meaning you can come in for more than one player, which is interesting, Um, and the rules differ around that. I won't get into that too much because that's a very small population of the U.S. That's from what I believe. Uh, Again, I don't know for sure, so some of my listeners may correct me on that, but um, certain I know for sure it does exist where you can do three-way subs. And again, you don't have to go in and out for the same person. So there's a lot of different rules around the league. I, I also know, um, you know, there's a rule here in Canada called fair play. So if you're if you coach a 14 you and under team, um, then the rule of fair play occurs where if you play in the first set, you can't make any substitutions. And for every player on the bench who did not play in the first set, they have to play in the second set. All right, so it's different. So if it's it's the this ideal of fair play, where if you didn't play in the first set, then you have to play in the second set, and there are no substitutions allowed to encourage multiple players getting in at the younger age group to develop. It's a whole the the the, the ideal behind it is is we want to develop our players, so players will then get a chance to play an entire set, not have to worry about getting subbed out, and they can really develop their players. Now, there's a lot of coaches who love this, and there's a lot of coaches who don't. 
And I've heard both sides of the argument. You know, one side of the argument is it's great for the players to develop. They all get in. And then the other side is, well, just because, remember, you play competitive volleyball, just because you're on the team doesn't mean you're guaranteed play time. You know, what if, for example, a player has been coming late to practice the entire week and you don't want to play them? You don't want to play them in a set well, or in a match. Well, guess what? You don't have that choice anymore because you, you have to play them by the rules. So you it, it can encourage bad behavior, um, which is unfortunate. And then you'll have coaches take less players on their roster just because they know that everyone is going to have to play. So instead of maybe taking a 12-person roster and those maybe those that 11 to 12 player you were looking to develop and maybe they're not ready for gameplay yet, well, you have to play them no matter what. So anyways, you know, there's there's this battle. I don't want to talk too much about the different types of rules and what's good and what's bad, but I just want to let you, you know, for my listeners, I have listeners all around the world. So guess what? There are a lot of different rules around the world when it comes to substitutions. Um, but for the sake of this episode, it, it, that's I'm just, I'm just going to inform you about it. We don't really have to get into you know how to strategize according to different rules because all the strategies can work no matter what the substitution rules are. All right? So let's talk about... Uh, you know, when let's talk about the substitution strategies, the ideals of substitution, stuff like that. You know, for me, it really depends on your season to an extent. So, you know, coaches always ask me, how do you know when to sub a player out? When is the right time to sub a player out? Well, to be honest, it depends. If you're in a preseason, you're in the beginning of your season, I normally allow my players to have more mistakes than normal so that they can develop because you want to you want to provide opportunity for development okay so at the beginning of the season especially in preseason when it doesn't matter it doesn't count like those records don't count that's when i will allow players to make more than you know two or three mistakes and still stay in the game by coaching them on the sideline so that we can grow together and they can develop. Because growing in a game versus growing in a practice is two different things. You have to allow your players to make mistakes in game so that they can overcome them. They can experience those mistakes so that eventually when they happen again, they can fix it a lot quicker than if they didn't get that opportunity. Like, you know, for example, let's say they made they made a mistake and you took them out right away. So that's that's different. That's if you're in a development you're a developing stage. And let's talk about different age groups. Like what does that mean? So if you're in okay, let's say beginning of the season, preseason, it doesn't matter. Right? No matter what age group or level you're at, you can allow players to develop in the beginning of the season. Now if you are a 12U, 13U, 14U coach, which fair play doesn't apply, by the way, 15U as well, you may want to leave players in a little bit longer than normal so that they can develop, right? Let's say that they're really struggling with their, with their serve receive. Well, let them get those game reps so that when you go back and look at it in film and you talk about it in practice, they'll have a much more greater sense of what it means to serve receive under pressure, game situations, different type of serves, etc. Because in practice, their teammates are serving at them. They've seen those serves a multiple amount of times. Well, now they can get more you know, game-like, different types of serves coming at them. So it's important. Now, if you're at the 16, maybe, maybe not even 16, but 17, 18, you level college, pro, etc., then at the beginning of the season, yes, you may allow those mistakes to happen. But once we get into regular season play, this is where we have to really be dialed into our substitutions because we're not, we're not in development mode anymore. Yes, they still can be developing, but now the record counts, you know, 
Those numbers count. It's on the score chart. It's in the record book. It's on your standings. These now, when players are making mistakes, we have to fix that. Okay, we have to make sure that doesn't happen going forward. So there is no right or wrong rule to this. Let me just say that there's no right or wrong rule to this. Coaches, you're gonna have different perspectives. I'm gonna give you my perspective, and we've had success with this perspective going forward. Okay, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know, but it's worked for us. So when we when we want to look at a game, okay, we look at a couple different things. The first thing is serving errors don't don't count as much as passing and hitting errors because a serve everyone is going to make serving errors it's going to happen and sometimes in a lot of cases if you're a competitive team and i hope all coaches are coaching this where you're serving your best serve which is a, which is one of our pillars excuse me one of our pillars in our program when our servers go up to serve i don't want them lollipopping the ball over there i don't want them remember we we talked about this on previous episodes where i don't want you to have the mentality of just get it over we just got to get it over because if you have that mentality you're not serving aggressive and and at that point the other team is going to be in system and and score and we talked about the fact that we don't want easy serves because when they get in system and score, the momentum is going to shift to their side of the court and they're going to control the tempo of the game. And we don't want that. We want to control the tempo of the game. And by getting a serving error, that is a lot less of a factor besides the fact that you lose a point. But the momentum, you will not lose more momentum like serving into the net or losing a serve versus them creating offense out of an easy ball and scoring. The momentum is going to be a lot more greater in their favor than if it was for you just to get a serving error. Now, am I promoting serving serving errors? No, of course not. But that's what I'm saying. If you're serving tough and maybe the server has a bad a bad toss or a bad set, you're not going to sub them out of the game because of multiple serving errors. Now, if you have a weaker server whose serve is not tough and they're committing errors, then yes. That is an opportunity where you may want to get a better server to come in the game and serve for that particular player, and then they can come back out when that serve is done. That is an opportunity for a serving sub. Now, again, depending on your rules, if you're allowed unlimited subs all day, as soon as that person comes around, serving sub goes in, then they, when they lose their serve, they come out. If you're only allowed a limited number of subs like we are here in Canada and many parts of the world, then you can only do it once. So you have to very carefully plan out when you're going to do it. We like to do it on the second time around. So the first time the server goes up, let them do their serve. The second time that server comes around, then we make the sub because that's going to be closer to the middle end of the game and those points will be a little bit more valuable. All right. So serving subs are definitely a great strategy. Depending on your your substitution rules, you may have to play with that accordingly. So the other thing about when to take players out is Passing and hitting, those are the two big ones. You know, if someone makes a blocking error, they're not really going to come out of the game because that's, they, they're, you know, regardless of, well, again, what is a blocking error? So a blocking error is not when someone tools you. It's not an error. That's a great tool. It's a great point for the offensive team. A blocking error is when you're hitting the net. So if you're hitting the net multiple times and you're costing your team points, yeah, they need to come out because they need to refocus they're not moving laterally. They're, they're, they're committing errors. They're costing you points. Touching the net is one of those things where if you're doing it continuously, you need to come out of the game because you're not, you're not serving any purpose. You're just costing the team points. So that's one of the things where you can. But, a, but again, block, uh, getting tooled off a block, that's not an error. If you have a weak passer, 
You know, they shank one ball. That's okay. Let them get it back. They shank two balls. Okay. Let them get it back. If they shank three balls, that is where we start. We got to start looking into, okay, has the momentum completely shifted to the other team? If it has, that may be a call for a substitution. It was that third error consecutively. So they get one, two, and then the third error, then they need to come out of the game. Okay. So consecutive errors on the pass. Yes. Now, if it's their third serve receive error in the entire set, but they've been passing phenomenally otherwise, then that's okay. We credit the server because you're, you're tired. You're, your guys are going to get serving serve receive errors. It's going to happen. They are going to shank definitely one ball in a set. It's going to happen. I mean, not, not always, but it, it could, it, it's likely that it happens two times could happen three times. Now we got to really pay attention to when did that happen? Did it happen altogether? Did it happen over a consent? Like, you know, multiple, multiple points where they made one error, they passed, you know, four threes in a row and then made another error. Then you know what? That's okay. So momentum is a really, really big thing that coaches have to gauge. And I find that this varies across the leagues. Like I see coaches who do a great job at monitoring momentum and utilizing their timeouts effectively and as well as utilizing their substitutions effectively so that the momentum is not shifting in the other team's favor based on our errors. And then I see coaches that just like let a player stay in the game and they just cost you three to four consecutive points in a row and their plus minus is really bad and they're they're hurting you. And again, you like they're hurting you. So that is when you would need to either call a timeout or make that substitution so that they stop hurting you. And not that's not to say that they're out for the rest of the set. They may go back in. I mean, they may need a break. They may need to reevaluate. You may need to have a conversation with them one-on-one that you may not be able to do during a 60-second timeout. And it allows you to do that and then put them back in the game. So substitutions can be used where it, it gives them a break, lets them refocus, have a conversation with them, and then put them back in the game. That, that can be happening. Or they it's just not their set. If the sub goes in and the sub is performing better, keep them in. Don't take them back out. But a mistake that I see coaches make is, oh, but they're my starter. They're my best attacker. I can't take them out in for a week or attacker. They're going to fix it. They're going to figure it out. Only until the game is over or the set's over and you just lost. How many times has that happened, coach? By the way, it's happened to me too. It happened to me a few years ago. We had our starting right side captain of our team in fact at the time and he was committing errors committing errors and I kept him in the first set and my assistant coaches told me what are you doing he's committing errors and I'm like no 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 but he's our best offensive player it just takes him that one shot to get back in rhythm and guess what happened he didn't get back in rhythm and that was my fault I should have made a sub put in another right side for him another opposite hitter and let him rest have a conversation with him now two things could have happened one he could have rested, could have got the time to refocus, go back in and do a great job. Or two, the player that I put in for him would be would not be committing those errors and giving us another chance to play offense, play defense, play the game. So I didn't allow that. I didn't allow that to happen, and that was unfortunate because that was my mistake, and I learned from that and never did it again. But that's why it helps to have assistant coaches to tell you things like this. So we have to make these calls. They're very difficult calls. And that is a common fallacy that happens where we, th- we know it's our best player or one of our better players and we can't pl- put a w- weaker player in there because in our mind, it's like, well, if we put a weaker player in there, they're not going to do any better. 
They're not going to score. They're not as efficient as that other player. But at that point in time, that great player is costing you points. You need to get them out of the game. And you need to be confident enough to do that. And it also tells your players too, sends them a message that, listen, anybody can, anybody's name can be called. You have to be ready. And that helps them stay focused and practice. It helps them, it helps re- reinforce that no player is above the law. If a player is not putting in their effort, if the player is not performing, then another player, next person up, next person up. And you got to hold yourself accountable to doing that. And again, this is in when, when it matters, when it counts. Not We're not in developing stage anymore. We're not in preseason. We're in, this is matches that count. We're, we're trying to win and we need the players that are going to perform. And if they're not performing, they come out, next player goes in and we go from there. Now, again, if you're a 14U team, a younger team where, you know, when it matters, it's okay because we're in developmental mode, no problem. If you're in developmental mode, let's, let them make those mistakes, let them develop and go from there. Now, I do want to mention, I, sorry, I'm kind of jumping back and forth here with the developmental and competitive side, but when they're developing, okay, one thing to look out for coaches is, are they making the right mistakes? Because there's no point in keeping them in the game if they're not at the level that allows them to grow. So if a player, let's, let's just talk passing, for example. If a player is passing the ball and they're struggling, but they're doing the fundamentals right, they're elevating their shoulders, they're passing away from their body, their angle is right, they're doing the right things, but they're just committing errors because they're not good enough yet, keep them in the game if you're in the developmental stage. Keep them in the game because that is how they get better, okay? But if they're, you know, swinging, playing cricket out there, do not have the fundamentals, then you need to take them out because we need to fix that in practice before we fix it in a game, all right? And it's really important. So yes, we want to develop our players, yes, but you're not going to develop them if they don't have the fundamentals, if they're not doing the right things in the game and then making those mistakes, or sorry, and then getting errors. So really important distinction there. If they're the fundamentals are there and they're committing errors, that is okay. That is something you can work on. Keep them in the game. Let them grow. Coach them and stuff like that. All right, that is if you are in, in a developmental stage of your season or if you're a developmental team, those are important. Back to competitive side, if we are trying to win, then they need to come out. Whether they have the fundamentals or not, they need to come out after multiple errors because you got to gauge the momentum of the game. You got to control the tempo of the game. Make sure that we are controlling that, all right? And I talked a little bit about passing there, but same thing for hitting. If your player is committing a ton of hitting errors and the momentum is shifting, you know, the other team is controlling it, the tempo of the game, we got to make a sub, we got to make the call. And for all the things I mentioned earlier, either a pause to get them to reflect, refocus, talk to them, or and or... Let's see what happens to the other player. If the other player is doing a great job, they got that they that when they subbed in the game, then we don't have to necessarily worry about subbing the player back in because they're doing a great job. And it also sends a message to your team that there's no favorites. You're coaching to win, and everyone is and everyone anyone's name can be called, so everyone has to be ready. Okay, so that is in a nutshell how we gauge when is the right time to sub. When is the right time to sub? Momentum tempo of the game, you want to control the tempo of the game, multiple errors in a short amount of time, and again, developing or non-developing, gauge it in your season, all right? Now, let's talk about a couple strategies that we can use as well to um, to sub, and I'll tell you my personal opinion, And 
by by any means, this is not right or wrong. By the way, you could completely disagree with me, and that's that's totally cool because you know we're in this game for a reason. We're coaches. You can make you know the call that's right for you. So, the double sub, the double sub is a very common coaching strategy. Now, what is the double sub? Well, the double sub happens normally in the later ends of a set, and what it is is, you know how you have normally if you're running a five-one system, you're gonna have one setter. And you're going to have everyone else as a hitter, except the libero. So what happens is in the later part of a game, if it's like 21-20 or 20-20, and the setter rotates to front row, okay? So now the setter is front row, which means you only have two front court attackers. What coaches might do is they might do a double sub, where they'll sub in an opposite hitter for the setter front row, and they'll sub in the backup setter or the secondary setter for the opposite back row, all right? So they do a sub. So now what you're getting is, you're getting a sub from a setter coming into the back row, and you're getting the opposite coming into the front row. So now, instead of just having two attackers front row, you are gonna now have three attackers front row and your setter back row. So you will have gone through six rotations where you have three front court hitters for six rotations. So that is great. Right? It gives you the opportunity to have three front row hitters, not a front court setter, so you have four hitting options always. You don't have to worry about a backcourt C-ball. You have a front court opposite slash right side hitter. Now, I personally don't like this strategy because I, I shouldn't say I completely don't like it. Sometimes it's great, but what I don't like is that you have a new setter coming in. And the reason I don't like you have a new setter coming in is because that new setter is not going to be the exact same as your previous setter. Their tempo might be slightly off. Their setting location might be different. Now, if you have a setter who's relatively the same, like pretty close, locations are the same, tempo is relatively the same, then it might not hurt you as much, but it's not common that that happens. So I don't like coming into a new rhythm, new setter, new, well, opposite doesn't matter. It's a new setter. So now all of your hitters have to get accustomed to that new setter. Now, if they don't have to get accustomed and it's automatic, then great. Then that's a fantastic substitution and it's, it should work for you, especially in the later part of the set. But I've seen it fail more than work. And that's why I don't like it. So again, you got to make the call for yourself. I, I, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying make the call for your team, see if it's the right decision to make, try it out in practice and see how that works out for you and try it out in preseason because that could definitely work. All right. Now we talked about the serving sub already. So you can have a serving sub. That's another strategy. If you have a weaker server that's coming on and you have a stronger server on the bench, there is an opportunity for a serving sub. Now, depending on your rules in your league, if you're only allowed to go in once and come out once, then you may want to do it in the later part of the game. But if you're allowed unlimited subs up to a maximum of 12 subs, then yeah, for sure, you want to definitely do it all the time. When they come up, when they come back to serve, do your serving sub and you're good to go. You may also want to have a defensive specialist. Okay, so DS. Now, coaches use this in many different ways. Um, one way is, let's say, for example, that you have a libero, right? So your libero is in, and then you have a two backcourt players, right? Now, normally, uh, both of those backcourt players, unless it's a setter, is going to be another offensive weapon. But if you want to have a, a defensive specialist for a certain rotation or later in the game, or you want to make that sub, if you have unlimited subs and you can play around with it, you may give up that backcourt swing, that backcourt offense for a defensive presence and hopefully trying to get a dig. Maybe you're trying to get a better serve receive. Maybe you have a, a person who's just really good at passing 
and playing defense, but they're not good at attacking. Well, you put them in, you give up a back row attack, but you put yourself in a better position to be in system and or get a dig and convert off that. So that is something that you may want to play with coaches, depending on your league and your substitution rules. If you're allowed unlimited subs, you may want to play with that for a certain rotation, depending on when you are in a match. If you're in later in a set and you really need some defensive stops or you really need to be in system to run a front court offense, then you may have that go in. So those are all things that you might want to consider when it comes to a later part of the set. All right, so your defensive specialist. And the last substitution strategy I'll leave you with is a blocking sub. So let's say, for example, that you have a front court lineup where you may have a weaker blocker, a weaker, let's say, right side blocker or left side blocker. You may want to make a sub just to shut down a player for one play. Now, this is going to be used in 100% the later part of the set. We're talking like 22, 21, 23, 20, like, you know, really, really close to the end of the set. And they have the ball, you're serving to them. Maybe you want to shut down a particular player. Maybe you want to shut down a thing. Put in, you know, sometimes we'll have like, let's say, for example, I'll tell you when I've done this. Let's say you have a middle on the bench. Now, your middle is normally one of your better blockers, but they may not be one of your two top middles, which is why they're not playing. Well, I may sub that middle player on the right, on the right side or the left side, depending on where I need them, to put up a really big block. And then they'll just end up swinging out of that position. Now, if, if the setter's front row, you got to be careful because you can't take out the setter. So if the setter's front row, I, I've actually done this. I've subbed them in for that setter, and then I will have my left side or my libero be that secondary setter. So I'm already going to give up my hands for that defensive block or that defensive stop. Because sometimes what happens is you may, you may find yourself in a situation where you know for sure that you're going to have to either slow the ball down or put up a better block to, in order for us to get the ball back. Because if you have a smaller setter front row and they're scoring, then what's the point? The setter is not going to be able to set the ball anyways. So you can put up a bigger blocker, hope to get a touch or a block, if anything. And if you do get a touch and we need to play it out now, well, our libero or our backcourt left side can be that setter and then just run a high ball offense and try to get a ball out of it. It's better than getting scored on by having a smaller setter. So that's something that you can play with. I haven't done it this season yet, but I've done it in the past and it's done, it's actually worked for us. It's done quite well. And it also, it also, what it does, what I've noticed it does too, from a psychological standpoint is the, the, the other team realizes, wait a minute, they have no hands or, or they have new hands. They're subbing in to a, for a bigger block and it may confuse them and it may slightly alter what they do. Maybe they, maybe they change and they don't go after that player who was swinging on our setter, our smaller setter, or that weaker blocker, and they change direction and go to another hitter. Well, that's fantastic. They're now setting a weaker offensive player than what was already scoring on us. And by doing nothing, we've already put ourselves in a better position to play defense. So these are the type of thinking and questions you got to ask yourself. And this is why I love coaching because these are decision make. These are the decisions that coaches got to make. We got to make all these tough ones. So these are the four different strategies you can you can play around with: the double sub, the serving sub, the defensive specialist, and the blocking sub. And again, certain ones like defensive specialist, blocking sub. You may you may be thinking about double sub. You may be thinking about closer to the end of the match, the end or or rather the end of a set where there's not much more points to go and you need, you really need those, those crucial, crucial stops you need in order to play it out, all right? So just to recap here, we talked about 
the rules of substitutions, you know, the fair play for the younger age group out here in Canada. You got the the one in, one out, unlimited subs versus limited subs, maximum six, maximum 12, and also the three-way subs. And I've even heard of some leagues where you get a maximum of 18 subs, which is unreal. That's like almost an entire game. Uh, so you got that. Now, in terms of when do you make the right sub? When is the right time to make a sub, depending on where you are in your season? Are we in preseason where it doesn't matter and we're going to allow our guys or girls to make those mistakes to grow? Or are you a developing team, period, where we're in a developmental team mode for the entire season? And in that case, yes, we are going to allow them to grow and allow them to make the mistakes. But we also talked about allowing them to make the mistakes, but make the right mistakes. Do they have the fundamentals in order to make those mistakes? Because if they if they don't have the fundamentals to pass, if we leave them in, then we're we're basically encouraging bad habits. We're encouraging bad vol- bad volleyball. So if they have the right habits and they're just like, like I have a I have a player on our team right now. He's a redshirt player, but actually we actually offered him a roster spot. He would have been a redshirt player this year, but we offered him a roster spot. He's in a develop developmental developmental season this year. He has a fantastic platform and he's learning how to use his platform. So we actually got we had a preseason game and we actually got him in a game, and the mistakes he was making were fantastic mistakes. But we kept him in because we know those are the quality mistakes and the quality reps he needs to grow. And hopefully next season, he may have a bigger role on the team. But we're allowing him to make. Now, if he didn't have the passing fundamentals, if he wasn't able to formulate a platform and angle appropriately, you know, then would have a problem. If he can't create a platform, then he's going to be in the game with a bad platform, reinforcing that bad platform. And who is that really helping? It's helping nobody except maybe the other team. So making sure they have the fundamentals to create to, to make those good mistakes so that they can grow. And if you're a competitive team where we don't have the time to grow because that should have been done during the, in the preseason, then you make your subs when you see the momentum shifting, when, you, when, you're, when you're gauging the game and you can feel that shift in the match. Because coaches, you can feel it. No one really talks about this, but this is part of the art of coaching. You can feel when the momentum is shifting. That's a really important gut to stick to. It's a really important feeling to be aware of because when you feel it, chances are it's happening and you got to trust that coaching instinct. We have coaching instincts in us where we need to trust it so that we can make the best call. And if it's multiple errors in a row, chances are you're feeling it. Make the sub. Make the sub so that the player can get get some rest. They can reevaluate. They can refocus. You can also talk to them, and then maybe make that sub back again to get them back in. And you're also giving another player an opportunity to demonstrate their ability, and maybe they play better. Maybe it's that moment where they're out there, they're able to shine and show them what you can do. You know, sometimes, especially in pro sports, when players get injured, it gives players an opportunity to shine, and they end up being fantastic players because of the, the chance they get, and then they end up get signing bigger contracts and maybe potentially leaving the team and stuff like that. So being aware of that is really important, okay? So making those subs and allowing yourself to see when those errors are coming. Now, if it's multiple errors over a longer period of time, maybe you don't have to make those subs, okay? So we talked about the strategies, we talked about the rules, we talked about when and how to make subs, how to make, well, we didn't talk about how to make a sub, but how to make a sub, really simply, you put, you let, you signal to the ref, you want to make a sub, so you do that, you know, the, the, like, rolling a pin, I don't, I don't even know what this is called, this is like, rolling your hands over, that's like the sub, or you just tell the referee, if you have a down official, you tell the down official substitution, please, if you have an up official, you signal to the up official that rolling motion, coaches, you know what I'm talking about, right, it's really hard to describe, but rolling your, your, your hands, kind of like a, 
like rolling the sorry that's my daughter who just came in you're rolling it um like over and over like like kind of like a rolling pin i don't know how to, i don't know how to describe it but you you, you know what i mean so oh, one sec okay you gotta be quiet okay so that's kind of uh when you signal to the ref that you want to make a sub and you make the sub from there all right so I hope you found this extremely valuable. Um, deviate coaches, if you want me to dive more into this, um, I have no problem diving more into this. This is all I can cover in a podcast episode, um, but there is a lot more we can talk about when it comes to substitutions. So if you're a member of Digital Volleyball Academy, let me know and we can definitely dive more into this topic. And if you're not a member of Digital Volleyball Academy and you'd like to be, um, go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com rather and sign up for the waitlist. And if you're not sure what Digital Volleyball Academy is, it is our signature membership where um, I basically get to mentor coaches all around the world. I get to bring them into my gym. They get to see behind the scenes to what we do in our gym, what it sounds like in a timeout, in a practice, in a film session. Um, you get access to all my courses and all my live trainings. It's, it's a great, great place to be. And I jump on coaching calls twice a month with our members. So head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and sign up for the waitlist and when doors open i'll definitely let you back in all right that's it for me ladies and gentlemen thank you so much i don't even think i introduced myself today on the pod well my name is coach brian singh for those of you who who is your first time and if it's if it is your first time hold on Vanessa, i'm wrapping up the episode see this is this is how you know I'm, i'm working from home guys so if you are a first time listener thank you for tuning in my name is coach brian singh i am the host as you already know and if you are a regular listener as always i appreciate you staying around Stick in tune, and my daughter wants to go downstairs. Okay, go downstairs. All right, this is definitely an unofficial. Okay, there we go. Thank you again for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, and I will see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training, and instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.